Welcome to Re-Review, where we watch movies from our past with a perspective from today. Your hosts are Matt, Bobby, and Austin, and we love the films from our youth, so we're taking a look back to see if they still hold up. On this episode, we're discussing Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. It was released in 2003, directed by Gore Verbinski, stars Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, and Keira Knightley. This movie tells us the story of a pirate who really needs his ship back and a blacksmith who needs to find love. Now, this is a fair warning. We're spoiling a 19-year-old movie, so if you haven't seen it, we will be revealing key plot points. Um, I kind of want to open this with uh, not starting with the movie, but Matt, have, have you been on Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride that this is based on? I have been on most of them, actually. I've been on the one at Disneyland, Disney World, and Shanghai. Oh, fancy. fancy I think, Bobby. and I, I, I'm pretty sure I've been on the, I think I've been on the version before they updated it. Before okay. this movie came out, I, th- I think I've been on Disney World before it came out, and then Disneyland after they updated it. And how about for you, Bobby? Uh, for sure, Disneyland. I went to Disney World, but I don't recall seeing a Pirates there. Maybe I wrote it and just thought it was similar to the one in Disneyland. the The main reason I'm asking because I definitely this was as a kid like one of my favorite rides going to Disneyland. I just always enjoyed it. Why? Because it had the thrilling drop, and uh, when. I think before this was coming out, when I heard they were making a movie based on the ride, even then I was kind of going, hmm, that seems like an interesting concept. How do you make movies based on rides? And uh, as we watch this film and it opens immediately with uh, with um, Elizabeth Swan singing like the theme music from the ride, that, mm-hmm. uh, that pulled me in then and it still pulled me in today where I actually love every single bit of throwback they had in this film where they kept reminding me of the ride because it was such a uh, important memory for me it was that ride represented a lot for me growing up as a kid how about for you both well when i first watched it i thought there's not enough of the ride in there basically like i I under (laughs) i understood that there was like okay like tortugas kind of like the part where they do all the auctions and have the pigs and there's like Mm -hmm. you know where the dog doesn't move and he's like hey the dog doesn't move and that's like obviously a nod to the ride and all that kind of stuff and but i did think you know there's it's in the ride there's all the skeletons and stuff like that and i'm like okay this Mm -hmm. is kind of piratey but like why are there all these skeletons in the ride? And then now they have skeletons in the movie and they made it the curse and they kind of tied it into the plot of the movie. And I'm like, Hey, it's almost like this kind of thing like was made for the movie. It it really was. I, I mean, so Matt, you'd pick this one out. What was the driving for choosing this film? To be honest? Well, one, because I had seen a video post online about the ride. Um, the origins of the ride and all the troubles they went through on the ride and how innovative the ride was originally, um, with the audio, audio animatronics and everything else. Um, and so I think it kind of got me thinking about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that. And I don't think I've ever excluding sequels mm-hmm. had bad thoughts about this movie. Okay. Um, and so it just kind of made me want to watch it again. And, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, going back to a, a place I enjoy yeah, it's like getting on the ride. No, if, if I recall correctly, I believe Disney wanted it to originally be a, uh, a like a walkthrough ride. Yeah, that's what and I was at some thinking. point yeah. they they changed it to turn it into the the water concept that it is. Um, so now let's get into the film here. The you know we have we have Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, and I don't know anything more. 
outlandish or or the biggest driving point of of what probably made this film successful is how he played captain jack sparrow it was this endearing Mm -hmm. weird deceitful but you still rooted for him even though he's a bad guy type of character uh i i absolutely loved it he was the bad guy with the heart of gold kind of thing you know, he he didn't want to kill Will Turner in the very beginning. He wanted to save his shot, you know, save his bullet. And he tried to escape and try to not kill as much as he could, I thought. There was quite a bit of killing in this film. Yeah, I mean, there, there, for, <laughs> sure, there for sure was. Oh, oh no, no, that the the, the butler... The butler yeah. at the during during the raid. Oh, oh man, that yeah. was that that I mean that was graphic for being bloodless. It was it was very very dark in that moment without question. Now we, we mentioned this because you were reading some of the trivia there, Matt. But you said there's some other people who were potentially going to play this character of Jack Sparrow. Yeah, yeah. It's during the the production of it. It's gone all over the place from you know Matthew McConaughey to you know Christopher Walken like. All these, it's very clear that they were going for weird with with Jack Sparrow. Like it was never going to be, you know, I think maybe because it was supposed to be in contrast to having Will Turner, mm. you know, you know, because whenever I think of pirate movies, I think of like, you know, all all the, uh, you know, the swashbuckling Flynn movies and, you know, all, all those classic, you know, MGM style movies that you would see back in the day. And I think Will very much kind of fits into that mold. And so it kind of felt like they needed something other than that to kind of be like the, you know, you know, in a way it's, it's a buddy cop movie. If you really think about it. I like the way you, yeah, definitely. And so like you need the kind of the straight laced guy, but you also need kind of the weird, you know, Mel Gibson esque type character. And so even though there was a lot of different variations in their way that they went about the character leading up to, Johnny Depp's casting, it always had the through line of weirdness. I mean, what I consider weird is that 2003 was Christopher Walken really seen as weird or Matthew McConaughey, maybe not as much back then, but definitely unique personalities and people that could have definitely had unique takes on the character for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without question. Um, Talking about Orlando Bloom as Will Turner, uh, how did Bobby, how did you feel about that performance? I thought he was good. I mean, obviously the shining factor of the movie was Johnny Depp. And so he kind of overshadows a lot of it. And just the the way the movie is just like, it's so kind of like over the top and bombastic. And I think, Matt, you mentioned that the opening sword fight was a really great way to introduce their characters. I mean, we talk about show don't tell a lot when we're watching the movies and, you know, we talk about, oh, come on, like, why are you telling us this? You could be showing. And this movie did a really, really great job of showing us what the characters want. You know, like the sword fight in the very beginning kind of like mirrored stuff that happens at the very, very end and kind of like the battle that the two characters have with their wants and desires and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, Orlando Bloom did a really good job. And I mean, really like Johnny Depp is the star of this movie. The sword fight was a lot of fun and it was full of gags and just the shenanigans, you know, them launching each other up into the rafters and kind of, you know, fighting back and forth with that. It was, it was actually very, very entertaining. Yeah. F- physics doesn't exist in this world. And, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's just, it from the very beginning, you know, what, what the, what the ship sinking in the very beginning, it's just like, okay, this is going to be that kind of movie. It's not going to be like, 
you know, they talk about when Indiana Jones, like, does his hat fall off? No, his hat doesn't fall off. Okay, that's the kind of movie it is. It's not the kind of movie where you have to worry about, like, logistics, about how things are happening or any of that kind of stuff. Like, exactly what how the timing works or how, like, how he does things exactly. It's just, like, all about, like, the gags and the stunts and just the eye candy type stuff. There was a when you say eye candy, I think I find that interesting because uh, this is something that surprised me, and I made this note that I actually felt the CG held up in a weird way. Like you could tell that it wasn't great, but it wasn't in a way that hurt me watching visually. I was like, I understand everything they're doing here. I personally think that they made a choice story wise that complemented technology. They made it so that they only turned into skeletons at night, which is the ultimate way to cover up CG. I think that it did really well. I think as far as like animation and mocap, I think that, which at the time would have been in its early infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, it did a decent job of looking fluid. It, you know, it didn't look like, you know, Jason and the Argonauts, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't like super stop motion-y or anything like right, that. But was, obviously inspired by that, I think. Oh, obviously. And I think that it had the the benefit of um, the way that Gore directed and shot the movie, where there was almost never a static camera whenever you did see them in that. It was usually mm-hmm. moving... Uh, just thinking about the the sequence where uh, uh, Elizabeth escapes Barbosa onto the ship, it's very kinetic. It's always moving. The camera never really stops for very long, and it very much was from her perspective. And because of that, it kind of had like a horror kind of vibe to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so you got that motion to it. So I think it kind of covered up the inefficiencies of the technology. Still great for, I mean, it's 2003. I'm sure I can mm-hmm. find a movie with the same kind of budget that has jankier CG. I definitely think that it got better as it went on because then we got, you know, some of the CG where you were getting those kind of effects of, you know, Dave, Davy Jones and his crew in the daylight. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just the amazing amount of photorealism that you got there. Right. So it definitely held up for what it for what it was, I think. There was one really amazing shot that's, sticks out of my head where um I, one of the pirates was running up the stairs and there was a a ray of light that was kind of shining in part of the stairs and so as they run up he runs up as his character and then goes through the light and matches but now he's his cg like zombie guy and then mm-hmm. goes back out of the light and i thought it it really matched really well like in, in terms of like okay like now now they have the practical part of it now it goes to the cg part of it and then back to it and like i didn't think like okay like there was a huge effect right there but i think it worked yeah i mean we're looking at the stuff and even the non-cg elements the you talk about the eye candy and if we look at it from the CG standpoint, that's one thing, but just a lot of the shots, I, you know, I think the shots of the ships, the, the big wide open shots on the water or anytime you saw the, the island they got stranded on, I just kept going, man, I really need to take a vacation to the Caribbean. Like it's just beautiful. <laughs> even though this may not have even been filmed there, they did a great right. job at fooling me into wanting to go take a vacation. 
And I even thought a lot of the underwater shots were beautiful, like where how they were filming down below but looking up so that you get those like those kind of light rays that are going through the water going down mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. a lot of depth and then a lot of fish kind of swimming around in the background and it was a really beautifully shot film you like every time uh when they were walking the plank and johnny dives <laughs> into the water and matt said where'd the ship go <laughs> probably should be casting a shadow where did it go i mean we could talk a little bit about the story here i mean this is all set up around the idea that there's a cursed treasure it was cortez right matt is that the name yes. mm-hmm. yep. and uh because these pirates stole said treasure and they abandoned their captain jack sparrow uh on an island uh barbosa and his crew are all curse to just live and not feel and i'm putting feel in some big quotes because as you watch this film they tend to feel a lot even though we were told that they're not feeling <laughs> yeah they um, scream all, when they're hit <laughs> yeah all based around you know this treasure and and ultimately that the will turner character is really the thing that can give them back their lives um for me the way they pace this out i actually really enjoyed it because i didn't feel at any point that i've thought it was dragging or anything so as they set up these little pieces of the stories we learned about the characters i was i was totally in the entire time just going along with it i mean as i moved from like gigantic set piece to gigantic set piece i definitely felt like the epicness of it and i knew that time had passed like in terms of both watching the movie and in the movie itself but it the lo- the logistics of trying to make something like this is just mind boggling to me. It's like they were in, and this is the the perfect kind of movie to to watch because it's like it's one of these kinds of things where you really get your money's worth, so to speak. You know, like there were so many different locations, so many different sets, so many different things going on, so many different ships, like the whole like East India Company situation mm-hmm. and the dad and all that kind of stuff. There. There's just a lot of going on, and I th- I think it all worked. Well, if uh if, if that was your daughter, would you be so ready to uh have her marry the military guy? <laughs> well, I think it was more of like a status money kind of thing for him, mm-hmm. which is more like a cultural kind of thing at the time, like a like a a dowry, the whole like Downton Abbey, like try to combine your fortunes to keep going and keep being the governor kind of thing. I think even he said it uh, whenever they brought it up that it was a smart marriage, right? It was, uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, I think that there's probably status stuff attached to it. I think that the fact that he became a Commodore probably really helped. But at the end of the day, like they are in the Caribbean. So it's like, what options are there outside of that? You know, like how, how many other like high status people are there like on, you know, within, was it Port Royal? was where they mm-hmm. were located yeah see i didn't uh, really understand like the whole logistics of it they're like in a british like encampment in the caribbean i guess <laughs> like <laughs> and they kept talking about spain <laughs> like i know it's called pirates of the caribbean or caribbean or whatever but like i i couldn't actually tell where this was taking place like i mean they it's said beautiful like, islands and water right that's right. all <laughs> they, they said like okay here's tortuga here's port royal here's like the island that we don't know like there was a rum cache or whatever and it's all beautiful and all amazing but i was like hmm like well i'm pretty sure port royal's in jamaica if i remember correctly mm-hmm. so i mean it's supposed to be there but like you wouldn't really know like they they showed all these environments and whatnot, but they never really specifically said it was Jamaica. There's like the general, I, maybe even Jack Sparrow might have brought up Haiti at one point or whatever. But like the 
the location itself, I think they did a good job at showing the world, Mm -hmm. but they didn't necessarily give you all the tidbits. Like having gone to Jamaica, like I didn't really see a lot of Jamaica in this as far as like the, the locales, the, the people or anything like that. Um, it was this weird thing where like they could have made up where it was. And, and it frankly, been, a lot of it looked to me like it was like Hawaii. Oh, I'm sure it was Hawaii or the, the Key West or something like that. They de- If they filmed any of this in Jamaica, I would have been shocked. Mm-hmm. Who uh, I do want to ask this because I, I have a favorite in terms of the non-main characters. I was a really big fan of uh, Kevin McNally and his pirate voice. Did anyone else stand out for you? Outside like of the, the main cast, yeah, I like the two guys the um the taller guy and the and the like the other bald shorter guy that kind of got into uh, a whole bunch of shenanigans all the time. Lee Ehrenberg like, as Pintel and Mackenzie Crick as Rigetti. I didn't even yeah, know that the, was his name. <laughs> so there, there's the two. They had a lot of duos in this movie, which is interesting. There were the two like British guys that were in the beginning, and they kind of carried throughout the movie, and they had talked to each other, and they were the ones who you know, nearly captured Jack Sparrow. And then there are those two, but I like the gag of the guy with the wooden eye, where his eye kept coming out and he had to keep mm-hmm. putting it back in. And I just thought that was just a neat kind of thing to do. Like in terms of like, you know, like the, the cliche about pirates is that they're always have a hand for a hook or like a missing leg, like a peg leg or something. And I, I just thought the eye was an interesting gag. You're right. I feel like that could have been more of those. How about for you, man? Um, I don't know. What are we considering main cast? Um, like outside of the main trio and Barbosa? Yeah, probably? I'd say outside of the main trio. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say uh, if I had to pick someone, you know, it's weird to say, but I actually enjoyed, um, oh my God, uh, uh, Nordington. Yeah, okay. Norrington, yeah. But I but I don't know if it's because I know what he does in the sequels. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so okay. I'm wondering if it's affecting me because like I know they they gave him an arc past this. I feel like they very much gave him he was somewhat two dimensional in this. Mm-hmm. Um they I think they tried to give him some aspects so he wasn't a complete jerk. They very much try to say that he was very much a man of the system for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um until it until it backfires. But he had he had multiple opportunities to be a quote unquote jerk, um, as far as his relationship with Elizabeth, and you know he could have very easily have you know done much worse with Jack and Will, especially towards the end. Um, yeah, he kind of seemed to act like they were just more more like of a nuisance to him than anything else. That's the part that did surprise me. You know, you have this character that's set up to be, you know, we got to follow the law. We got to do things by the rules. And then, you know, we're going to talk about the end now. But fast forward to the end where you have um, Will Turner helping Jack Sparrow escape. And they kind of go, eh, okay, no big deal. You don't have to follow the rules this time. And you're also taking away the woman that I love for me. Cool, 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 cool. We're best friends. But did he love her? I wasn't really sure. I wasn't totally sure about that. There's a whole thing there. It's a little bit creepy <laughs> if you think about when we're introduced to him and her in the initial scenes of the movie. Um, he, we could say he clearly had his eye on her for quite some time. I mean, like the dad said, it probably would have been a smart marriage for him. I mean, 
there's the age gap. I mean, she is supposed to be like what? 18 ish. Mm hmm. When this was going on in theory, because I mean, she looked like she's probably like maybe somewhere between 10 and 12 mm-hmm. during the, during the opening scene. So there's definitely that age gap there. Not that I can necessarily say that was unheard of back in the day as wrong as it is. And as gross as it is, that is, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but so I do, I do have, I'm making assumption that he did love her because obviously he was essentially pursuing her and wanted to marry her. So why not? But the reason I, I the reason I was kind of questioning it a little bit is because he didn't seem to he seemed to give her up a little bit easy at the end. Oh uh, yes, and that's the part that confuses me. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that part of I do I think that he had feelings for her. I think he did because of how he reacted when he was trying to propose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he was very nervous, and I think that you know, considering his position and everything else, I think that it's almost cute i guess if you want to say the, the way that he reacted okay, yeah. to it C- considering the his position and everything else and the way he reacted through the most of the movie to have somebody of that power be bashful all of a sudden because like they very much could have had him come off as you know you know uh down abbey and stuff like that like very matter of fact about it and you know or uh i'm trying to think of another good example where like a character like arranges a marriage um, like uh, coming to America with Daryl mm-hmm. organizing the marriage to uh, the main the main uh, female character in that movie um, behind her back, right? Mm-hmm. Like that didn't seem like it really happened as much as like he was he was getting you know what he say he was breathless or whatever at the time. But I do think that if he did give up a little bit too easily towards the end, maybe it's because he kind of saw the writing on the wall throughout yeah. the movie and the way things were kind of mm-hmm. going down. Yeah, I think it would have been very interesting if they would have made him a little bit more compelling in this movie so that maybe you might've felt a little bit bad for him mm-hmm. towards the end. I think that's what they're trying to kind of go for with his reaction, but age gap and the building of the relationship between her and will kind of made it kind of like a, yeah, no shit, you know, mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. thing. Well, they seem to build the, that relationship between Elizabeth and will. I mean, it's from the get go, right? She steals his medallion and then, you know, you have the first time he's bringing the sword into the house and there's just that element of, oh, you can call me Elizabeth. You're going to have to ask me again, Mrs. Swan. Like, it's it's just, you know, it was there from the get-go. I think that this movie did a very, I mean, just overall, uh, beyond even their relationship, I think from a script writing point of view and a directing point of view, they did a great job on setups and payoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think stuff like that, um, really plays into it as far as their relationship goes from them, their interactions there to how they first met everything else. Like everything that happened had a payoff down the road. And so that it felt fairly organic. I think that if there is, and it's not this movie, but if there was any crime that was committed in this franchise was the fact that they kind of dragged out their relationship mm. throughout, throughout the trilogy. Um, I feel like this movie had already set up, okay, well, they're at that point, clearly by the end of this, but then they try to throw pebbles in there to try to make it a little bit rocky in in the Mm -hmm. second and third movie. And, you know, I I guess, because they felt like the will they, won't they aspect of it was important, I guess. But I felt like this movie did a fairly organic way of setting up the status of their relationship at the beginning and how this adventure led to at the very least will getting over that status Mm -hmm. when he's like, I need to put that to the side 
because she's getting kidnapped and I might lose her. So I need to just get over that. And so that's what you see in his character to go from Mrs. Swan or Miss Swan to Elizabeth by the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the sequels. You said there's three. I, for me in my head, I thought there was four for some reason. Oh, I was just, the, I was just, I'm just talking about the original trilogy, whatever oh, they did after okay. that. There's more, there's right? a whole yeah. different, there, yeah. there's more. <laughs> okay. But if you, if you had to rank this one, let's say we'll stick with the original trilogy. Is this the number one in the trilogy or where do you, where would you put it? Oh yeah, no, this is, this is, this is one of those movies where they didn't make, they didn't make the sequels. Like it's always tough, right? Yeah. I mean, you one, know, of the, one of the things for me is that they all kind of blend together and there are some images that I kind of thought, okay, like, is this coming? And then I realized like, oh no, that's, that's a part that's in the sequel. And there's some really yeah. like iconic images, I think in the sequels, like, there's one scene where like one of the characters is walking and everything's exploding around him in slow motion, which is a really great scene. And I'm like, oh wait, this is like in the, like the third movie or whatever. And don't don't get me wrong, it's not like there's anything particularly wrong with the sequels. I think that one of the biggest disservices to the sequels is this movie did such a good job at arcing the characters, and I don't know if the sequels necessarily did a good job, really doing anything with them beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that Jack Sparrow, for example, didn't really get any better with the sequels. Mm. I feel like the thing that actually made him great in this movie was kind of lost when you, when you went to the second and third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same case is for Will. I feel like his character was kind of done with, with this movie. I know they tried, they introduced his father and everything else. And, a bunch of other, you know, elements to it, but I feel like they kind of closed off the characters in this. I think that if you were going to make a sequel, it could have been about something, you know, new set of characters or something, but money, right? Well, that that's what eventually happened, I think. Did they not think this was going to be a hit? There was no precedent for it being so, I think. I mean, I think at some point they realized because this was a pretty like obviously like pretty high budgeted movie, so if they didn't think it was going to do pretty well, they probably some way along the line they watched it and said okay this is this looks like it's working let let's continue to you know spend what the movie deserves like in terms of the effects and the locations and stuff like that and the music right and the music the music was very good very but there was there was no precedent for it right like all the pirate movies in the past were that were successful were from i don't know like the 60s or whatever so (laughs) That's a pretty big gap from pirate movies. Um, so didn't necessarily know it would be a hit. Here's the real question. Bobby's is still a hit today. Are you telling people to watch this one? Yeah, I think I'm telling people to watch this one. I mean, go ride the ride, go watch the movie, have the whole package. Oh, you just made a very expensive uh, movie night. <laughs> First At all the one, parks, go to a theme not, park. not just Disneyland. Go to every single one and watch every single one of the movies. For you, Matt? Oh, absolutely. I think that if by some chance you haven't seen the movie, it's worth watching. If you have seen the movie, it's worth going back and watching again. If you watched it last week, yeah, watch it again. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. It's been a while since I, I've I've seen it. And again, going through the whole thing, I was like, this is really entertaining. And I'm enjoying every single bit of this. So to me, it's definitely one that um, if you haven't seen it, 
put it on. You'll you'll definitely enjoy it, but go back to it because it'll give you those nostalgia vibes. If you have a connection to any of the Disney parks, you'll feel that as well because they, they do a good job of reminding you of those things. Um, so as always, thank you for listening. And remember, not all treasure is silver and gold. <laughs>